I'm going to touch the person next to you and say, this is for you. So we're on part two uh, of a three-part series, which I am calling Dig Deep, Build High. If you didn't hear the first one, can I really encourage you to go onto our website and find it? Just go onto the website, go to the Essex section, scroll down, and you'll find podcasts. It will be there. I believe these three messages are going to be key to how our year pans out, how your year pans out. It's a word from the Father. I know it, I know it, I know it. And so please go and listen to the previous one. We talked about... um, stewardship last time out and and ultimately this all revolves around the fear of the Lord. Now I appreciate that the fear of the Lord probably isn't a compelling title. You're going to see it and go, what, what the fear of the Lord? But ultimately the fear of the Lord isn't being scared of God, it's revering who he is. It's putting him in his rightful place. You're God, I'm not and I respect that. But here's the great thing church, your God loves you. All of you. You know, Psalm 139 talks about God crafting you in the womb. Here we are praying for a pregnant family. God's up to his business. He's crafting that person. What they look like. What shape they're going to be. What gifts they're going to have. What dreams he's going to put in their heart. And I love this about my father. He never puts a dream in your heart that he doesn't gift you to carry. Because that would just be a tease, wouldn't it? Can you do this? No, you can't. That's not my father. So there's dreams in your heart that God placed there and he equipped you to be able to run with them. Do you see? And then Jesus came and he said things like this. He said, I came that you would have the fullest life, the most abundant life, the best life. See, God is all about helping you forward. He made you for a relationship. He didn't make you so he could tell you off. He made you so, come on, let's do this together and make it awesome. You know, John 3.16, it says, God so loved the world that he sent his only son. We know that, don't we? John 3.17 says, he didn't send his son to condemn the world. He didn't come to tell us all off. He came to save us from all the things that are going to hurt you. Because there's a thief that wants to take away your dream and your hope and your vision. But God says, I want to get behind it. And so when we look at the fear of the Lord in reverence in him, we need to know he wants you to win. And so when we put him in his rightful place, he'll put us in our rightful place. And therefore, life just gets better. So many people think God's about squashing you, boxing you in and making your life rubbish. But that's just not what the word says. It's not what my life says. And anyone who follows Jesus here, it's not what your life says, is it? There you go. So this is the foundation. Here's a great verse for you here in Isaiah 33, verse 6. He will be the sure foundation for your times, for your times. A rich store of salvation, setting you free from stuff that's going to hurt you. A store of wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. You see, when you reverence God and live like that, there's bonuses attached. Because God wants to bless you. But we can't be flippant about God. He created the universe. And yet sometimes we're flippant about him. So at the beginning of this year, and we believe it's going to be your best year... Can we put God in his rightful place? Because good things will come of your life. Are you hearing me? He loves you. He loves you. So today I want to talk talk about presence. And if you like a title, it's this. uh, Dig deep, build high part two. His presence is a game changer. And the idea about this dig deep, build high idea is that any building that goes high has to have deep foundations. We all understand that much, don't we? But if we dig deep spiritually... We can build high naturally. Who doesn't want a big life? Exactly. So if we want to go high, we need to dig deep spiritually and prioritise that. And part of that is going to be honouring God. 
So when we look at his presence, there's two factors. The first one is this, his omnipresence. Omnipresence means God's everywhere all of the time. You can't escape it. The word even says, I go down to the depths of hell and there you are. He's everywhere. You can't escape him. He's there all the time. And that's good and we need to know that. But there's also his manifest presence. And that's where we engage with God and we physically see stuff change because of his goodness. Healings, chains breaking off, favour unfolding, unusual occurrences like doors opening, jobs being got, financial blessing, miraculous health recoveries, things like that. That's not just the omnipresence of God, that's the manifest presence of God where you say, that was him, I know it was him, it had to be, there's just no other way. Give me a wave of experience, something like that. See, this is the manifest presence of God and that's what I want to look into today. And I love this. You'll be familiar with Elijah. And Elijah was this awesome prophet who was tasked with giving a very difficult prophecy. But then God took him away on his own to a place called Kerith, which means solitary. And he he took him there for a while so that Elijah could understand what it was like to be one-on-one with the Father. To host his presence, to hear his voice, to be comfortable with him. Every day he saw miraculous stuff. Ravens came in bringing him food. That's pretty, I wouldn't mind that in my home, would you? Sit there, says you're going to make dinner. No, the ravens are on their way. <laughs> you know? Everywhere else is suffering drought, but he had this little pool, this pond at Kerith. And, and so this was Elijah's background. He knew how to host the presence of God. He knew how to revere God because he'd gone on a journey. But then in the natural, amazing things happened. Look at this in 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 44 through 46. The seventh time the servants reported, so he sent his servant up, up the mountain to see if there's any rain coming in the cloud. A cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea, he said. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. It's going to rain so hard. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose, a heavy rain starting, falling, and Ahab rose off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came on Elijah And, tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Ahab's on a chariot. But when the power of God came on Elijah, because he had dug deep spiritually, he saw something amazing naturally. Imagine Usain Bolt. There he is on this chariot. And there's Elijah, this quite old prophet, by the way, going... He's herring past him. Like a blight. There goes Elijah. Was Elijah some freak show? No, he was an ordinary guy who knew how to handle the presence of God because he revered him. The outworking of that, he saw outrageous events in his natural world. Give me a wave if you want to see outrageous events in your natural world. So the key is to revere God, to put him in your life where he belongs. I want to live that kind of life. We aren't called to a normal, boring life. You're just not. The church is not called to be normal and boring. The church should be outrageous. The church should be like, what? Can't wait till next week because stuff is just kicking off. There should be moments all through your life where you stop and go, wow, that had to be God. Now, I'm believing for every one of you, there's going to be a moment, even this week, where you look back and go, wow, that had to be God. Come on, I don't know what you're believing for, but can I stir your faith? When we put God in his place, he'll put us where he wanted to. 
and good things will unpack. I'm getting a bit passionate. I hope you can feel it. But walking in his presence is key. Elijah had outrageous experience because he knew how to handle the presence of God. Can we learn how to handle the presence of God because he wants good things for you? He wants your life to be better, to be outrageous. He wants you to have a story to tell. We need to be good at telling our story, don't we, church? On the trip to Ghana, I watched the film Gemini Man. Will Smith, give me a wave if you've seen Gemini Man. Don't leave me. I'll kill a few people. Sometimes I say these films and no one's watched them. But uh, Gemini Man is, a, is and I, I recommend it, so it's, it's quite a good film. The gist of it is this, that the, you know, Will Smith is this awesome uh, marksman, and uh, he's so good and so better than everyone else that they, he didn't realise it, but they cloned him. They took some of his DNA and they made a little Will Smith. Um, but when Will Smith found out some information he wasn't supposed to know, they sent his clone to hunt him down. So his younger self is hunting down his older self, which is quite freaky. And Will Smith gets to know this. So Will Smith is 51, the clone is 20. And, but he's, the older version is better than the younger version because he's got wisdom. And he keeps getting in a position where he could shoot him, but he can't shoot him because he feels like I'm shooting myself. And yet the younger one is just, is just on mission. I'm going to kill him. So he's trying to kill him, and he's trying not to kill him. So the, the tables are, are under, but he ends up talking to him and winning him around and showing him, telling him stories about himself, what he's allergic to, all this kind of stuff, because he knows it's him. Uh, the way he would dream and all these kind of things. Amazing, clever concepts. But it got me thinking, if I could meet my younger self, what advice would I give myself? It's a cool concept, isn't it? And I wrestled with that a bit and I came up with three thoughts. And do you know what the first one is? To host God well. If God is the center of your life and your world, things are going to go good. I'm not saying it's going to go perfect and it's never going to be a down. But the average will be you will be on an upward slant. Because God will take you there. So my advice to my younger self, my son, my children, the church, host God well. Second thing I'd say is take the counsel of many advisors. We all sometimes think we know best. Can I give you a little insight? You don't. Sometimes you're wise about some things, but you're never wise about all things. And the Bible says, take advice from many. Don't go to one person even, go to three. I've got this decision to make. Do you think I should take this job? Do you think I should do this? Do you think I should go out with this person? Do you think I should take this course? Whatever it might be, big decisions in your world, get advice because it's helpful and it's good. And the other advice is this, and I think it's more important today than ever. Whatever situation you're in, be all in and be fully present. I think sometimes we're finding ourselves in places and we want to be there, but we're so distracted by something that might be happening tomorrow that we're never all in. And then people don't get all of you, they get bits of you. And if you do it for long enough, it almost becomes your personality, that you're, never, you're there but you're never there. Come on, people, you've got something to offer. Be all in and be fully present. Are you with me? So that was just my little thoughts about, about that. But let's look into this whole idea of um, his presence being a game changer. Moses had everything the world had to offer. Everything. You know, he was taken out of a river by Pharaoh's daughter. He was brought up in the richest man on the planet's house at the time. He had everything the world could offer. Wealth, servants, you name it. He had it because they were the richest people on the planet. But something changed for Moses. There was a moment where Moses met God at the burning bush and everything changed. Even though he'd experienced everything the world could offer, God's presence became everything to him. 
He's shifted. I'm sure there's many of us who look after, you know, we want some wealth or nice cars or holidays or houses or clothes or whatever it is. Stuff. And cool. Moses had all of that. But when he met the presence of God, that didn't compare. It was all about the presence of God. We can learn something from Moses. You see, the thing is, so often we want the promises of God without worrying about the presence of God. But we have to get used to the presence of God to walk in the promises of God. And it's always in that order. So you look at what Moses did. He took the people out of captivity and took them to the promised land, didn't he? But did he go to the promised land first? No, they went on a 40-year trek. Why? And there's lots of reasons for this, but this is one of them. I believe God wanted to teach the people how to walk in his presence. Because had he taken them straight to the promise, they wouldn't have been able to handle the promise without idolizing it. Look what we've achieved. Look what we've got. Look at the land we live in. Look who we conquered. But when you handle the presence of God, they were led by a pillar of fire. Imagine that every night. God's saying, this is where we're going. Just follow the fire. That would stir something in you. And then they were led by a cloud. God was always leading them. And then every morning they'd wake up and there'd be food all over the floor. Manna from heaven. Every day. You see, he was teaching them, when you walk in my presence, I'll lead you, I'll protect you, I'll provide for you, I'll feed you, I'm with you. And they needed to understand that. There was even a moment when they were thirsty and they hit the rock and water came out of it. That he was stirring something in them about what it's like to be in his presence. And in his presence should be a bit outrageous. It could never be normal. And so good stuff was happening. Then when he took them to the promise, they could handle the promise because they knew about the presence. So church, if you've got big dreams this year, isn't it important right now to start developing how to carry the presence of God in your life and honor him and revere him and put him in his rightful place? Because good things will happen. Come and touch your neighbor and say, good things are coming your way. Look at this. Remember, this is Moses. This is the guy who had everything. Exodus 33, 15 through 17 says this. Then Moses said to him, speaking to God, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do everything you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. See, he's developed this relationship with Father wherein they know each other by name. He's good in his presence. But having experienced his presence, Moses is like, don't send me out there to do stuff unless you're going to be there. Because otherwise it's just me trying hard. But when you're with me, people know. And don't we want to be a church? And don't you want to be a Christian? And don't you want to be a person who knows there is something different about you? When people look at you, they say, there is something about you. I can't put my finger on it, but inside you're going, that's the presence. Because when I enter a room, the room changes. When I enter a classroom, the classroom changes. When I enter a business, the business changes. Why? Because his presence comes with me and it's a game changer. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? I love this. There's a moment when um, they get into a fight with the Amalekites and they're a huge bunch of people, uh, people scared of them. And uh, in his wisdom, because Moses was wise, he sent Joshua. Now you've got to put it like this. Joshua, in equivalent to our terms, would probably have been his youth pastor. So they've got the biggest fight they've ever fought so far and they don't send the general Moses to oversee it. Moses sends the kid. That's a plan, isn't it? 
you know, in our church, uh, my son Joshua's right now leading the youth. So it'd be like us having the biggest decision we've ever got to make, and I stand back and go, go on, Josh. We think, what on earth are you doing? But that's exactly what he did. But here's the thing. Here's what happened. Moses went up to a high place so he could see over the battle. And he took with him Aaron and Hur. Now, Hur was a man, by the way. H-U-R. And he took him with him. And this is what happened. Every time Moses raised his hands, Joshua and the army would be winning. But there were points when his hands got tired. And when he lowered his hands, Joshua and the army would start losing. So what happened is Aaron and Hur had to hold his hands up so he didn't get tired. Because all the while he held his hands up, the army won. What's happening? I believe this stance is a stance that says, you're God and I'm not. I submit to you. I surrender to you. I celebrate you. I put you in your rightful place. And when we put God in his rightful place spiritually, we see amazing things naturally. And so here is Moses saying, I know about your presence. I don't need to be in the fight. I'll let the kids do the fight, but I know about the spirit world. And when I honor you in my life, good things happen. And so church, could we be people who learn to live like this? You see, you're going to go to work tomorrow. You could go work with all kinds of ideas or you could go like this. You're going to go to college tomorrow and study some stuff. And you could go there and give it your best shot or you could go like this. You've got some financial decisions to make and you can go and try and be, be the wisest version of yourself or you could go like this. And every time you put God in his rightful position in any decision you're going to make, good things will happen. But the trouble is we get wise in our own eyes. And we need to be people who don't just come to church and get in the presence of God and go, oh, I felt tingly, which is nice and good and I hope you do. But we need to be people on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, on Saturday, who are living like this. It's something in your heart that says, I'm keeping you in your rightful place, whatever situation I find myself in. Because when I dig deep spiritually, my world is built up naturally. Can you hear? Come on, get the Father around applause. Something good's going on here. Revering his presence changes everything. You know, you look at David, another general of the faith, and in Psalm 84 he says this, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. See, here you have Moses who's fully grasped, hosting his presence changes stuff. Here you have Elijah who knows how to host his presence and seeing amazing, miraculous stuff in his world. And here you have this general of the faith, David, saying, one day with you is better than a thousand anywhere else. I just want to be with you because it goes better. So we have three generals of our faith teaching us that his presence is a game changer. Can we grasp it, church? It's important not to know it here, but to know it here in our lifestyle when we revere him and host him. Good things come your way because that's always been his plan. Are you hearing me? Have you ever been in a situation where you're in the room but you don't really feel wanted or welcome? A bit painful. I remember in my football career, sorry, I'm going to tell a football story. <laughs> I was away one week, for those of you who don't know the joke. I was away for one week, and uh, I used to play football. And uh, I get something, tell the story, and says, Barry always talks about football, doesn't he? But that's my stories. Anyways. <laughs> I used to quite like him. <laughs> anyway, just to bore you some more, I've got a football story for you. 
I, I had been injured at my home club, Dagnum, and um, often what happens is to get you fit, you can't go straight back into the first team, you need to build your match fitness up. So they sent me out on loan to this place called Harrow Borough. Anyone know Harrow Borough, West London? Anyone from there? A few people. Well, I, I was playing for them just, just for a handful of games. And um, they had some injury problems and they needed some help. But they brought me in and they put me in the team ahead of the team's favourite player. He wasn't their best player, but they all liked him. He'd been there like for 300 years. And they already liked him. And so I come in as the outsider and get put in the team. Who knows? They're not very happy about that. Now, they weren't unkind to me, to be fair. And they were professional. And we played the game. But I knew, I knew, I knew, in my heart, they didn't really want me there. And it was a bit awkward and tough. I was bringing good things. I was playing well. I was helping the team. I scored a couple of goals and created a couple of goals. I was bringing good stuff. But in the change room, it was just a bit awkward. And they didn't say anything to me wrong, but I just knew. And here's the thing. Do we treat God like that? You know, when God comes into your world, he brings good things with him. But I wonder how often we get about our life knowing God's there, but not really embracing God's presence. When all he wants to do is bless your life. And we get about our own little lives until we hit a blip, until we have a health scare, until we have a financial debt, until something happens, and then suddenly we want God. And of course, God will step in because he loves you. But how much better when there's not a problem to host the presence of God and say, help me walk this life better? Because otherwise, God is going through the very thing I went through, and it's painful. He's your Father in heaven, he loves you, and he wants to be in your life. But it's you that's got to open up the door. Can you see? Could we be people to shift that? Could you make a decision right now in your world to shift that? To be more aware of the presence of God and host him better, include him. Live life with your hands high in every decision you make because he will bring good things. When the Bible talks about um, God's glory, and so therefore his presence, it talks about his face. And I love this again with Moses. The experiences this man had are incredible. Exodus 33 verses 18 through 20 says this. Moses said to God, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause my goodness. See, Moses talks of glory. God talks of goodness. Whenever you get in the presence of God, he will always bring his goodness. And we want that. I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I'll have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one will see me and live. Here's the thing. God's goodness is so much that it would overwhelm you. He says himself, you couldn't even handle it. You've only seen a glimpse. It actually goes on to say that he passes by backwards. So it's almost like what, God, what Moses gets to see is the backside of God. But it impacted him so much. See, he comes down the mountain and speaks with the people. But having been in the goodness of God, his face is so bright they have to put a veil over it because it's freaking people out. They're like, wow, it's like you've got the worst sunburn in history. And everyone's like, what's going on there? But it wasn't the sunburn. It was the glory of God radiating out of Moses. Do you know why? Because he stood in his goodness. He stood in his presence. How much more for us to stand in the presence of God and say, so show me your goodness. Show me your face. Give me a little glimpse of you. Because then what happens is, you make a difference. People see it in you. When I first met Sarah, which would be oh, 22 years ago now, 
and I was playing football and she was a singer in a band, so we were kind of that kind of couple. And um, I dated her for a short time and uh, she, she didn't know at the beginning that I was a Christian. Not good pastor skills, so I'll talk to you about that later. But we went out and she said to me, there's just something different about you. And it wasn't because I had loads of chat and wore nice clothes and was a bit flash. There was something different. There was something... <laughs> Can't believe that's the biggest amen I've got so far. (laughs) She said, there's something different about you. And do you know what it was? I've made a choice to host the presence of God. See, I could have gone out with my football mates and had lots of short-term girlfriends because it was easy when you're a professional footballer. Lots of my friends did that. And that would have got me a history of short-term girlfriends. But when you host the presence of God, what I got was the most awesome wife. And do you see the difference? You see, people, you know, speaking to singles in the room, we all think we want experiences, but you don't want experiences. You want a life partner. That's the reality. So don't throw yourself into something that's never going to come anything. Host the presence of God. Because when you host the presence of God in your relationships, he will take you to a good place, giving you the thing you always really wanted. It's not about a bunch of short-term experiences. It's about a lifetime with someone who loves you and cheers you on and is with you in a two-way street. Can you hear me? So me hosting the presence of God in my relationships... Actually, God gave me more than I could ever have dreamed of. Who knows that my wife's flipping awesome. His presence is a game changer. It will change your world if we can handle him well. I love this. I have stolen this from Bill Johnson, who's anyone who's a Bill Johnson person. The picture the Bible paints for us of God's glory is this. The shining face of a perfect father aimed directly at you. Can you see that? I don't know what your experience is with your earthly father, and I appreciate often it's not been good. I'm privileged because I've got a great dad who's always loved me. And it helps me then to see the father's love. But so many times we call ourselves the fatherless generation, and what that actually does is hinders us seeing the father in heaven because it's our, our touching point. We can't relate to him as father because of our earthly experience. But let me tell you this, your heavenly father loves you and 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 loves you. And it doesn't matter to him what's gone before. He, if you allow him, can deal with what's gone before. He'll heal you up. He'll remove your past and he'll set you on a good path if you'll let him. Because his goodness is his father's face looking at you going, you're my child and I love you. And I've got good things for you. So just let me in. Because when you let him in, you'll be healed up, you'll be protected, you'll be provided for, you'll have hope and dreams and vision, you'll have friendships. Your world will change when you include his presence. Can you see that? So what a great prayer to pray today. Show me your face, Lord. Because when you encounter him, everything changes. Now look at this. When Jesus was baptized, and many of you will know the passage, he comes in, he has a bit of a debate with John the Baptist and John says I don't want to baptize you I'm not worthy of baptizing you and Jesus says it's the right thing to do so just baptize me will you man okay I'll do that he baptizes him it's probably a bit more reverent than that but he baptizes him and as he comes up the heavens open come on we live under an open heaven church see the heavens open and the Holy Spirit comes down in the form of a dove and rests on Jesus and the father said this is my son I'm pleased with him Church, he's saying that to you. You have an open heaven over you. The Holy Spirit is here 
resting on you. And he's saying, this is my child. I'm pleased with you. Now, if we look at the Holy Spirit, the presence of God as a dove, how do you handle him? If I've actually, and I use the picture, if I've actually got a dove on my shoulder, coo, coo. If I was to do this, what happens? Dove will go. If I'm to do this, what happens? The dove stays. And that's a God picture. See, the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, I have to go, John 14, I need to go back because I'm going to send you the helper and it's going to be better because I'm one person in one place. The Holy Spirit is all places all the times and he lives in you. And the Holy Spirit comes and he dwells in you. If you've invited him, he wants to live in your heart. And what that does is he then can guide you and he can protect you and he can give you great wisdom and he can lead you forward and he can remind you of what's true and that's his role. But then he also rests on you and he rests on you for the benefit of others. So that someone, so you can pray a prayer that releases the Holy Spirit on you into their world and it breaks their hurt and it breaks their chains and it brings their healing and it brings provision. So the Holy Spirit is for you and for others. But if we're going to host the presence of God well, we've got to treat him like a dove. And so you can't ha- have the dove on your, ha- on your shoulder and walk into a room and say, flipping hate you, you idiot. You always stitch me up, you mug. Because the Holy Spirit says, I'm not part of that. You see, you can't be hosting the dove and go in and, 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 and steal. You can't go into the room and make a plan to, to stab someone in the back or stitch them up or be unkind. You can't go into a room and do some dodgy financial dealings or twist the stuff around. Why? Because you're hosting the presence of God like a dove. And he says, I'm not going to be part of that. He will always be in you, but we want him resting on us so we can bring the kingdom of earth to heaven. So we need to be people who learn and take it seriously to honour and revere and fear God in our daily lives because we're hosting the dove. Can you see? It's so important. Can you see how this is a game changer? Imagine if we actually lived like that. Not just came to church and heard a concept and thought, well, that was quite good. No, imagine if today you made a decision, yes, I agree, I'm going to host him better. I'm going to try and be the best version of myself. I might not always get it right, but thank you, God, for your mercy and your forgiveness. But I'm going to do my best. And so I'm going to talk differently. I'm going to think differently. I'm going to act differently because I'm aware of who I'm hosting. And it will bring good things to your world. I think we've established that. Is there an amen in the house? I don't know if you're just in shock, but it's very quiet at Equippers Essex today. You can host him well. You can host him well. You can host him well. How about we revere the presence of God Everywhere we go, because he's so into you. But the ball's in our court. This is the way I look at it. So often we're asking God to do something for us, but God has already played his card. He sent his son, his very best. I love you guys, but you know what? My son's not going to die for you. Sorry, don't love you that much. God does. God loves us so much he gave his one and only son in order that he would die a death that he didn't deserve so that we wouldn't have to go through life dying all the time. That put a hope in our heart that we could be with uh, the Father in heaven forever. That's how much he's played his card. He loves you. So now it's our turn. He's played his card. What are you going to do? And what God wants us to do is just to revere him 
and honor him and include him and carry him and host him. And then good things come your way, but you then are empowered from heaven to bring good things to other people. You see, it's about you, but it's not about you. We have him in us and we have him on us. And the father says, there's my child. I'm pleased with you. Now carry me well. Come on, there must be someone in your world you, you are hoping their life's going to change. There must be someone who, who needs some provision in their world or a healing touch in their world. Well, do you know who, who needs to step up? You. Because you're hosting the presence of Almighty God. The same spirit that lived in Jesus is on you. So can we stir our faith, host him well, and see outrageous stuff happen? There should be story after story in your world that's just had to be God. But the starting point is carrying him. Come and touch a person on the shoulders and come on, let's take this seriously. Let's host him. When we look in Acts, there's a couple of amazing things that often get passed over. And as in Acts 5, I'm not going to read you the scriptures, but in Acts 5, you will find that people brought out their sick just in case Peter might walk past and his shadow might just come over them. And when his shadow passed over them, they got well. Well, that's a bit weird. Anyone experienced that? I want to experience that. I want some of that. If he did it for Peter, why can't he do it for Barry? Do you know? But here's the thing. Peter walked with Jesus. Peter knew how to host the presence of God. Peter was so familiar with that that it became who he was. And what happened then is people saw something in Peter and it stirred their faith. Because it takes faith to take your sick relative and put him in the street. Because right, that is a bit weird. But they had faith that if Peter walks past, something's going to happen. That is this expectation in someone's heart. It's a faith, expecting something to change because this guy comes along. But who's this guy? He's just a man. But he carries the presence of God. And so people's faith shot forward. In Acts 19, something similar happened with Paul. People used to get bits of cloth. Some people refer to handkerchiefs, but bits of cloth. And as Paul walked past, they're touching with them. Imagine walking down the street of Colchester. Imagine going to work. Imagine going to university. And everywhere you went, people were getting bits of cloth and rubbing you with them. That'd be a bit weird. But you know why they did it? Because Paul carried the presence of God so powerfully that it stirred faith in other people. And they thought, if we could just touch that man, something's going to shift in our world. They would touch him with a cloth. They would take their cloth to the, to the sick and lay it on them. And their sick would get well. See, God responds to faith. It's not the bit of cloth. It's not even Paul. But because Paul hosts the power of God so strongly, it stirred faith in other people, and they did an action in faith, and God blessed it. I want that! Don't we want that to be mark of our church? How full would this building be if we were seeing the miraculous, the miraculous, the miraculous? If lives were being changed, if provision was coming, if people were getting healed, we would be rammed. Because there's a world outside that needs Jesus and needs some miracles in their life. They've got need and hurt and stuff going on, and we're the answer. So it makes it all more important that we start saying, I need to host you. I need to get serious about this thing. I've got to stop talking like that. I've got to stop thinking like that. I've got to stop acting like that because the dove is with me. I'm going to host him. And as you do that, just you watch good things happen. Just you watch because God has to honor his word. Good things will come your way. I love what Jesus did. You know, he came as fully God. But then when he referred to himself, he often said this, I'm the son of man. And what he was doing really there was helping us to see that although he was fully good, he's also just a man. And we saw the amazing things that Jesus did. Why? Because I only do the things I see the Father doing. He hosts his Father's relationship well. 
And so when he acts, good stuff happens. But in Jesus saying, I'm the son of man, he's saying, heaven is open for mere people like me and you to participate in the activities of heaven. It's not about heaven going boom and all this stuff happening and us going, oh, that was good. It's actually about us as ordinary people who often stuff up, joining in and being a part of it. See, with son of man, you, you can do what I'm doing because I only host the Father's presence and you can host the Father's presence too. And when you do that often enough and well enough and continuously, amazing things will happen. And I want to see it. Come on, give me a wave you want to see it. Come on, I want to stir some faith in the church. I want to see lives change because of Jesus. I want to get to the end of my life, look back and go, look at the incredible things that happened. Why? Because there was a day in 2020 I decided I was going to get serious about hosting him. To put him where he belongs so outrageous things can happen in and through my life. I'm preaching better than you're responding. Jesus says this, let your light shine brightly. Come on, it's time church not to be quiet and shy and sit in the corner. It's time to jump out of our box and say this is who I really am. I carry the presence of God, and if you allow me into your world, your world's going to change. Not because I'm great, but because he's great. Your world's going to change if you'll just host him a little bit better, because he wants good things to you. You know, Jesus didn't hang on a cross and die a horrible death so that you'd have a rubbish life. He didn't do that. He did it so that you'd have the fullest life. But we need to participate and host him well, and it begins with the fear of the Lord. I revere who you really are, and I honor you. And so therefore, I carry you in my every day and I walk it out with you and good things unfold. Is there an amen in the house? I'd love to pray for you. Do you want to stand up? Let me just invite you just to close your eyes. Again, no rules here. You don't have to, but I think it's helpful. Jesus. Lord, as a church, we feel stirred, we feel challenged, and we pray this prayer. Show me your face, Lord. Let me see your goodness. Show me a little glimpse of your Father's nature. And Lord, for our part, we make a choice to honour you to revere you and to carry you with reverence and care the dove that brings good things life-changing things Lord we want our own lives to be healed up and set on a path of goodness and we want to see other people's lives healed up and set on a path of goodness so we say send us do what you've got to do in us to bring change to situations around us Let the world experience heaven through us because we carry you. I'm going to give a couple of opportunities to respond and just with every eye closed, it's just me and you. Me, you and the Father. Are there people here today that say, yeah, I want to get serious about this stuff. Maybe you've never invited Jesus into your world. Maybe you did some time ago and you let it drift. Maybe you've just become a bit relaxed about it all. It's today the day you say, yes, Jesus, I want you in the middle of this thing. 
because I want to experience the fullest life you had for me. If that's you, can you just shove your hand up? We're going to pray. Bless you, bless you, bless you. Bless you, bless you, bless you. Awesome, bless you there, bless you. So, so good. You can put your hands down. Let's do it this way. I'll pray a line and all of us as a church, we follow that line and just pray with these amazing people. Lots of people, seven or eight, nine, ten people there. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you love me. Today, I get serious. I invite you to live in my heart and be my center. I choose to host you well, to honor you, to revere you, and to put you where you belong. Be my Lord, my Savior, and my friend. Amen. Amen. Just hold the pose. Just hold there. God's up to something. I just wonder if there's a bunch of people here today who long to see the miraculous burst out of their life. Sick and tired, almost bored of the ordinary day to day. Come on, we want to see some heaven on earth. We want to run past some chariots. We want to see some people healed. We want to see outrageous and unusual events occur all around us. If that's you, just stick your hand up. We're going to pray. Thank you, Jesus. So many people are so, so good. That's awesome. You can put your hands down. I'm going to pray over you. Lord, you see the hearts, you see the hands, you see the lives, you see the potential. Today, Lord God, we get serious. We choose to host you well. And I release heaven over you right now in Jesus' name. I release the miraculous, I release the supernatural, I release just outrageous events that had to be God. That will give you a testimony of when I got serious about him, he got serious about me. And my world's different. Just receive that, church. It's for you. Come on. I need to stir up your boldness now. You can't be full of heaven and not be bold. You can't be full of heaven and not be prepared to speak up, pray up, step in, do something. Everywhere Jesus went, he stepped in. It's time for the church to step in. So so be stirred. Be stirred, be stirred, be stirred. You carry heaven. And finally, Lord, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your Father's love towards us. Thank you that your plans for us are good. Thank you that you've always made a way. We give you our lives all over again, and we genuinely say send us. Let the people in our world have a different experience because we carry you. And all God's people said, Amen.